You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Matt Watson. He is CEO and Executive Creative Director for Watson Creative. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about branding and how to really create a strategy, how to create a position in a service-based business. I always like to say service companies are easy to start. They're hard to scale. <laughs> and part of it is to really figure out, like, what do you stand for? What is your position in the market? And then how do you build a brand that's going to be recognizable and, and communicate that? And it's going to stand out from the crowd and it's really going to differentiate you. So I'm excited to talk about this. I've little bit of a creative background myself. So I love kind of geeking out on some of the creative side of uh, building a brand and building a business and uh, talking about how companies that that are in service-based businesses in the market can really be successful in this aspect of it. So with that, Matt, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity and um, look forward to kind of sharing some insights, some things that have worked well for uh, not only my clients, but myself. I mean, we're a professional (laughs) services company. Uh, That's what we do. So um, yeah, I'm ready to get uh, get to it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the background. Uh, I always love hearing stories of how people got into their businesses. You're a service-based business yourself. What was the, I guess, what was the impetus for starting the company? What was the situation? Uh, give us the backstory. Yeah. Uh, well, I had no plan of ever uh, really owning <laughs> an agency. It's something I tripped upon. So I had a really good long career at Nike and I'd been there for over 11 years. I was part of their senior creative team. And then in 2012, my dad came down with cancer and my wife was having our first child and I was overseeing Nike ID. It's a, it's a customization platform at Nike and I was overseeing it for North America and Europe. So I was bouncing back across uh, the ocean every other week. I'd been there for a long time and, um, and I really just needed to spend time with with uh, with family, my dad. So yeah. I left and got to spend a year as as he was, you know, uh, passing. And one of the things I did is I got a job teaching business at a community college here because I have an MBA, and I taught mm-hmm. design and art at the uh, PNCA, which is Pacific Northwest College of Art. And I made ends meet. I didn't really have any intention of owning a business, um, but these stories relate a little bit later on into what we're going to be able to provide from the professional services branding perspective. But anyway, I started freelancing a little bit. My very first client, still a client to this day, and uh, that one client turned into three or four more clients this uh, that, that first year, and then the second year just grew, and then all of a sudden, I found myself owning an agency. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I 
had no real center of who I wanted this company to be when it grew up, what was the end game, what did we want to stand for, what did we want to be known for. And what's interesting is, you know, there's the old saying, the cobbler's kids never have any shoes. It's the yes. same thing for the branding agency, especially one that went out with zero intention of ever yeah. being an agency. And you just start, you know, freelancing and, and making income. And it wasn't until I was in the business for probably about four years before I got the chance to step back and really look at who we wanted to be what we wanted to be known for, how can we scale this business beyond just me? Secondly, I would never have named my company Watson Creative. I just got a URL. I didn't I didn't think anything of it. Uh, I was like, I just need a, you know, I need a shingle to put up on a, you know, URL and there we go. And I was off to the races uh, freelancing. Again, zero intention. I think that happens a lot with, with people as yeah. you start off in this infancy period and nobody really crystal balls and says, hey, what are we going to be when we're a multi-million dollar, you know, uh, professional services company and then after you're at that point what do you want to be when you're like how are we going to you know hand this off to the next generation and really grow the business yeah. so all of those things i've working through the latter half of of uh you know scaling to the next generation which is where we're at right now but yeah. again i had no intention i just i just jumped out i spent time with family and one good job turned into another good job so that's yeah. kind of how we yeah. started i think I, I have yet to interview a guest where they've said they started with a 10-year plan <laughs> and then just executed on it. It's so often the case that these things kind of happen somewhat accidentally or at least kind of sneak up on you a little bit. And, and before you know it, you've got an agency or you've got a company running. Well, I was just going to ask, in, in that experience, is there any anything that, that you have learned as a leader or things that you've had to change as, you know, going from kind of creative person or head creative person or, you know, the person was doing the work to, to running the agency? Is there any big takeaways for you in terms of either things you had to start doing or things you had to stop doing in terms of your daily kind of rhythms, the work that you do, where is a focus, you know, the role that you fill, what has been some uh, learnings that you've had? Learning as a leader and and learning how to lead people versus managing them. I, I think Nike gave me a lot of great tools on how to manage, play politics, work within what they call the matrix there. Mm-hmm. But running a small business and being the person that all of these people that you employ, their families depend upon you for, yeah. you know, a consistent paycheck. You're dealing with HR issues. You're learning not only you know, all the financial aspects of the business, forecasting, selling, completing the business, working on operations. You know, there is very little difference between the complexity of a small business from what I see from my client perspective, as well as Nike of, of running a large organization. In fact, I kind of think the initial years are, are by far the hardest. It seems like where we are now, things are, are much easier. So from what I've learned, it gets easier over time. I also think that you start figuring out what your business is going to be and you start making a bunch of pivots. And this goes back to when I said, you know, I taught at a local community college here business. I am absolutely fascinated by small business. And, uh, you know, I spent a good portion of my career working on Fortune 100 companies. I worked off in New York prior to Nike and and then, you know, spent a long time there. And we represent, uh, Watson Creative represents, you know, over 50 professional sports teams. We worked with all these athletes, but really the heart and soul of the company is working with what we call local businesses, which is predominantly the mid mid-size uh, businesses. They're between $20 million and $100 million 
in revenue. We definitely go below that sometimes, but that's the bulk of our business. And the thing that inspires me so much about that is I get to work hand in hand with the CEO of these organizations and I get to see all of the stress points that they're going through, the opportunities that they have in front of them. And I reel back to the classes I was teaching at the community college and I was teaching the class that they had me teach the most was small business administration. And what it was, was basically CMOs or small business owners that were coming back to take a class and to learn how to better run run their businesses. And I honestly probably talk more about business than I do sports now. And I just love, <laughs> love like, you know, working with somebody that has an idea and seeing them, you know, in a matter of 18 months, take it to like $7 million. I've had that happen yeah. before. Or some guy rolls up this garage door and he's got like a $13 million company sitting on his own own property uh, that that's he's amazing. been working. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. phenomenal. So that's kind of what moves yeah. me and, and a lot of what I've learned. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the creative work you do. How do you kind of position yourself or where do you focus on when you're working with companies and you're working on the creative and the branding? What are you really kind of, or what are you helping a company do or what problem are you solving for folks? Well, that, I mean, that's interesting. You know, we, we call ourselves a research-based creative agency and uh, we always start with research and understanding the the consumer journey and human behavior for their, their specific, you know, core audience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you ask what we're trying to do for them is ultimately just tell their story. Nobody's hiring us. I mean, at the end of the day, they're getting a website or they're getting a piece of collateral or they're getting a tagline or a brand mark or something like that. But ultimately, what the owner is is paying us to do or, you know, the ownership is to help them position themselves in their marketplace or reposition themselves as, you know, many companies have been around for a long time or they've uh, just been acquired or some force is requiring them to reposition themselves and to tell their story better and with more clarity. Um, so that's really what we the end result is, is, is uh, storytelling that goes across every customer touch point. So whether it's websites or printed collateral or uh, photo shoots or video shoots, um, we end up building all that out. Yeah. And what, what is it you're trying to capture for folks? I mean, what's, what's the, in essence, what's the communication that you're trying to deliver? Or what, what's, the, what's the work that you're trying to do for folks in terms of being able to connect with this audience? Well, the first thing is, is really building a, a platform for clarity and, and understanding how simple we can make what they do that can, be, that can resonate with people and the fact that they understand it. Once that base is met, then we really look at how engaging can we make that story and then how distinctive it is uh, within their marketplace. And so those three sets of criteria is really what we look for for a measure of, of success. And it, it really helps you know, a client be a little bit more objective about, about where they're going. And uniquely, all of the work that we end up doing really helps them reimagine their business and it greatly influences and oftentimes simplifies their business proposition. I mean, what do you typically find when when clients come to you and want to engage, you know, in the creative work? How I guess how often or what do you generally find in terms of sort of the strategic decisions they've made or clarity that they've brought? Do they typically have a pretty good sense of what that is or, or is that not not very clear most often and, and something you have to work on? I'm just kind of curious how the creative fits in with strategy and vice versa. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they go hand in hand. The strategy should be there first and it's a it's a creative exercise as well. It's really it's all about kind of the anthropological nature of how business affects uh, the world and economy and shapes, you know, the kind of the human dimension. But I, I think 
That's a good question. I think it, it really goes back to who the client is that we're dealing with. And it's it, it's, it's across professional services. It's not just like you could look at professional services as accountants and lawyers and doctors and engineers. It has nothing to do with it. It has really something much more to yeah. do with our experience of are we dealing with a small business owner that built the business themselves or are we dealing with the second generation kind of captains of the business? And those that are the captains are vastly different client and set of concerns versus uh, the small business owner who has built and shaped this business. And we, what we do find is that the business owner has a very good grasp on what's made them successful this day. And they have the most passion to propel the business forward, but they also oftentimes are their worst enemy. And they're not very open <laughs> yeah. to new ideas or being objective about their brand. They're very emotionally connected to it. And part of it's out of fear. They've probably been down uh, some pretty rough paths as they've grown the business and are extremely risk averse. Whereas, you know, that next generation or middle management or executives uh, for an organization are much more methodical, are less emotionally tied to the business and can kind of let go a little bit and go through some exercises that allow us to, to shape it. So. Both are kind of, there's equal pros and cons to, to working with both, but, you know, they're just different kind of approaches. Yeah. I mean, do you find for when you're working with a founder, operator, owner, what, what are some of the things, I mean, you, you talk about them being held back or them being attached. What do they need to do for the ones that successfully work with you or that you're able to kind of work with successfully in terms of generating, you know, a good strategy, a, a good uh, piece of creative? What do they need to do to really get over that? Or, or what do you see successful clients doing to get to move through that? So we need to we need to take them through strategy and I'll kind of talk you through what we do from a strategic yeah. standpoint. And part of it's a journey of discovery and allowing us to really baseline their company and their consumer objectively against their competitors. So the first phase is really auditing all of their communications, making sure that their communications are consistent, understanding the overarching messaging and the positioning of where they are now, and then doing that same exercise against their key competitors. And then there's different ways of kind of plotting that. So if you can imagine a square grid, where on the left-hand side, it's like, are you emotionally talking to consumers? Are you informationally talking to them? Are you loud or are you soft? And so just within that one example, and there's other tools that we use, but within that one example, you can start plotting where they are. And what we find is that those businesses that are more in the infancy level, they're getting to the first echelon of communication. They're figuring out their services. So they're very informational. Whereas those businesses that are more mature have been around for a long time, really have a grip of their content strategy is going to market, what their storytelling is and their messaging. They're really able to step back and be a lot more emotional uh, to consumers and quite frankly usually turn up the volume so that's typically where we like to see uh, consumers but anyways through that exercise a business owner that's really tied to their past and what they've built something like that when they start seeing their business plotted up there and they've been part of that journey plotting their, yeah. their business versus their consumers all of a sudden they can see a window of opportunity a white space as we call it or mm -hmm. they can see where they're going to have to do combat and if that's combat is actually realistic 
Pacific. And we back both of those scenarios up with qualitative objective research, but we also use data. We'll look at data from a search perspective, an ad buying perspective against their competitors, ownability of certain stories and, and key terms. And they really start to understand like the plausibility of being successful in one space versus possibly being over in another one. So that's the audit perspective. We then take the client through really understanding their their consumer, what we call the first fast last adopters of their business. The first being those who are most apt to help position their company. So an influencer could be somebody that has a huge following on Facebook or somebody that is well known within the industry. And if you can target and shape their perspective of your company, then the fast and last adopters come along through that influential channel, which is very advantageous especially if you have a, a small advertising budget. But we mm-hmm. end up taking that construct and building out who those guys are from a priority level as well as who the personas are. And we work with our clients to build out those personas through what we call a consumer 360. And we really paint a picture of who their audience is. And oftentimes we've had clients come to us and they're like, hey, we got $100,000, we need a website. And we take them through this exercise. We're like, no, you need a really simple piece of collateral that is hand delivered for these guys with a firm handshake. You don't need that $100,000 website. Although I'd like to build it for you. But (laughs) we'll take the money, we'll build it, yeah. We'll build it. But those two exercises, there's more, but those two things really help people go through this aha moment and thesis the the problem out. And once you have the the project well defined of what the opportunity is, where the problems are, who the exact consumer is, then it's easy to to move a single business owner along or, you know, we've had a board of of uh, owners that are, you know, thirteen or fourteen people, all of whom did not like each other, go through this exercise (laughs) and come out more united and more focused. Why is that? What do you think? What is it about the process that unifies them? It's just very factual. And yeah. and they all get like we do. Uh, we do some workshops where they all get a chance to have a uh, voice at the table. It doesn't matter if there's, you know, somebody that's usually very loud and authoritative uh, with inside the organization. What we do is create an environment that really pulls out even the most silent person in the organization. And they all mm-hmm. walk away with a very factual idea of what they're trying to solve who they're trying to be known for, and discarding all of the other ideas that really can't get there. We do an exercise that, one of the exercises we do is, we have people take out uh, about 100 cards that are adjectives, different words, and we have them Mm -hmm. place them in piles of who they are and who they aren't. And you end up finding like, who they are usually has the majority of the cards, who they aren't has a a smaller (laughs) venue of that, but they all agree where they are. And, And as they're taking each card, they read the card, they tell everyone, we are not this because of this, or we are this because of that. So they go through the exercise. Then we sit back and go, you know what? Your marketing dollars and your size of your company, you guys can only really be known for three things. Pick out the top Mm-hmm. most important things. And once they go through that, it like ideas just fire off of like, well, how do we curate this story? What's the priority? What's the most important thing to move this business forward? Because quite frankly, they can't sit there and be 70 different uh, yeah, exactly. things. So I'm rambling, but that's... Uh, not, that's, not well. That's, that's, that's it can't be 70 things well. No. Uh, and how, how much does do the things that they pick end up kind of depending on the context and the competitive landscape? I mean, I, I'm, I'm always 
you know, focusing on creating a differentiated strategy, you know, well, that one that separates you out from the the other people in the market. How do you bring this idea or, or you know, I guess to what extent are you kind of bringing in kind of the competitors and the market into that discussion? Yeah. In this discussion, what I just told you about that game, that's just one step with inside the workshop. But we do go through Got it. this competitive exercise where we take those three top words and then we start taking your competitors and, and ranking them against those key terms to understand where problems might be and where the opportunities might be, where the threats are, so on and so forth. But all of those those two exercises, the audit and the consumer work, really add up to the next exercise, which is uh, what we call the brand DNA. And that is building what your story is going to be and what you're mm-hmm. going to be known for, what's your tier one, tier two, and tier three stories. So taking those, those cards and really flushing out those stories and ensuring that they have a deep well of ideas and imagery that can be changed and evolved over time, but still keep that core story going. And then we, we build what's called a manifesto. And it's kind of, you know, we, we definitely do the MVP mission, position, visioning. But what we love to do is to really wrap that into a couple paragraphs that weave in your positioning statement, your brand promise, and starts the kind of voice and tone of the brand coming to life. And it, it's not necessarily that that manifesto is a, you know, consumer facing work product. But it is definitely the thing that unites everybody on the the client side around a larger idea of, of, you know, really where they're going and what they want to be known for. And that is, for me, one of the most moving uh, exercises to go through from a design perspective. You know, when I was at Nike uh, for out of the out of the decade long that I was there or longer, six years I was in product design. So I actually designed the shoes and I would sit there and I'd get a brief from marketing and be like, here's your core consumer. Here's the volume we're trying to hit. And I would start pen to paper immediately. I just start drawing and and starting to create, create things that I thought were, were cool and fun today. Before I start that creative process, having that manifesto colors the ideas and images in my head before I actually put pen to paper. And I find it far more beneficial. And the creative is just so much better and richer when you start with words. And so that's kind of, that's the kickoff of the overarching uh, creative direction. And, And quite frankly, I feel that that creative should then inform your marketing plan. I think too often clients go after like, hey, I need a website or I need an SEO strategy or I need a digital marketing strategy to hit my clients. And it's like, once you understand that creative and really, you know, how you're going to go to market, then it makes the most sense to really start building a marketing plan. And, and let, let me give you an example. I gave you the example yeah. of like, hey, it could be a brochure or it could be a, a website, but it can also be that entire journey is changed. So if you have a website that is just purely built upon a video and gorgeous, beautiful imagery, the assets that you have to deal with and the way that you'd go to market would be drastically different than if you went to like a web page and it was black, all black, with like three words on there. And those three words are just the most poetic, amazing, irreverent uh, words yeah. that capture the imagination. If that is how you went to market and uh, and differentiate yourself from the, from the competitors, you would find your marketing strategy also being different. So it makes no sense to start building a prescription for healthy marketing before you've really analyzed the landscape of your competitors and of yourself. 
you've really dialed in exactly the consumer journey of of who your audience is as they bounce back and forth between online tools and the physical world mm-hmm. and really understand the duration of that sell cycle and then understanding your story and how you're going to, you know, how this thing is going to uh, manifest itself. So yeah. those four kind of segments, the audit, the consumer 360, the brand DNA, and what we call the activation map are really the four things of the four areas of strategy that we take our clients through and doing that just makes everything so much easier on everyone's behalf. Yeah. And so for companies that do this well, go through this process, do the work, get good results, what is the end kind of change in business or the business benefit or the business outcome that you get if, if you've done this work, if you've gone through this process? Well, number one, they're more times than not, they're far more focused and united. I think from an internal culture perspective, which is something people don't typically talk about from a branding perspective, yeah. is the impact of a new brand on your team and your employees, the momentum going to market, you know, going forward, the unification of not just your executive team, but also of the all the people in your company rallying behind these larger, simple ideas uh, as you go to market. So I think that is one of the major benefits is uh, just internally. From an external standpoint, usually when people have focus, they're able to feel more confident in their ad spend if they're going to do ad spend or their investment into into marketing to own a particular space. And I'm not going to say more times than not, I, I think across the board, it works. And I think it just works because it's very, it's very objective, it's very scientific. Uh, and when a business owner feels, specifically in the professional services space, feels yeah. conviction that where they're moving, it changes more than just, you know, they have a new logo and a new website and stuff. It stirred them internally and just put them on fire. And that translates out into the marketplace. It gets them more invigorated to shake hands, more invigorated to be doing things from a social perspective. They feel like they have a new, fresh uh, suit that they're wearing and yeah. uh, their posture changes. Yeah. And I like that idea. I think that's something we don't talk about enough when it comes to kind of branding and strategy for service companies, which is that other side of the market or the other side of the equation that you mentioned, which is your people, your talent, you know, and part of having a clear strategy, having a clear brand is really kind of driving a culture and a, you know, a differentiated culture, which is going to allow you to attract more of the right people, right? It's going to bring in the people that really align with that. It's going to repel the people that don't. It's going to make the whole kind of talent side of this equation, I think, much more strategic and ultimately gets you, you know, much better capabilities by doing that. That's it it just helps helps find the right folks that align with the culture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were talking before this call about EO entrepreneurial organization and and gazelles, both of which have uh, you know traction for a one page plan or gazelles has their kind of like eleven by seventeen one one page plan. But either uh-huh. way, both of those have dedicated space to really defining what your what your vision is, uh, what your marketing plan is, what your strategy for going to market is is going to be in distilling down the qualities of your story and whether it's your core values, which are hand in hand with what your brand is and who you are. Going through these exercises just really help you get outside of yourself, get off the conveyor belt of the regular day to day and objectively look at your look at your business and your, your brand. Yeah. Well, and I think and for service companies, it's so important just because you don't you don't have that physical product that you can kind of point to or, you know, let customers interact with as being 
kind of the value, you know, the value is so much of who you are and how you appear and how well you've positioned yourself and how well you've kind of set expectations with with your prospects about what it is you do, how you do it, and what the benefit is going to be for them. It's just, I find service-based businesses is, you know, so abstract or kind of ephemeral that it's, it's branding becomes hugely important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matt, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, about the company, what's the best way to get that information? So you can go to watsoncreative.com and peruse around, learn more about us, contact me uh, from there. We also have a, a subsidiary company called Brand Labs. You can find that at labs.watsoncreative.com. We've taken all of our strategy phases and made those into curriculum that teams can work through at their own pace. And uh, it's been extremely effective for small businesses and what I kind of like about it is is the very fact that, A, you can work on it at your own pace. Oftentimes, these small business owners can only chip away at a little bit at a time, but yeah. it adds up. Yeah, I would recommend go checking it out. It's great work you've done on really kind of ma- making this a tool that people can sort of, uh, you know, self-implement, you know, like you said, based, based on their own schedule. And <laughs> I know there are a lot of people out here right now that are kind of finding themselves with time at various points during the day. So it's a great way to kind of fill in some of the gaps you might have in your schedule. But it's um, been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Great story. Um, you guys are doing some really great work. So I'm really happy that uh, you're able to speak with us today. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.